0: Welcome to The Word from St. Andrews, the weekly preaching podcast of St. Andrews Baptist Church in Columbia, South Carolina. This is Pastor Dee Vaughn. I pray that this week's sermon will help you experience a life-giving and life-directing message from God. Give these next few minutes to Him that you may hear the Word from St. Andrews. mother-in-law, Ann Clary, is celebrating her 90th birthday this week. We went to Gaffney yesterday to celebrate with her, and uh, James was on the guest list. He was there with us. And the celebration went right through his nap time, so he didn't get to go to sleep when he normally does. So... We reached a point in the festivities and we noticed that James was over on the side of the room putting his shoes back on. He was ready to leave. And then he got so tired that when Jen picked him up, he used the phrase that he uses when he's finished with eating, when he's had all he wants. He says, all done. But she picked him up and he looks, kind of pitiful and said, all done. But it was good to be together. We had a good time. We're looking in the third chapter of John today, that matchless conversation of Jesus with Nicodemus. As we begin this Sunday to look at different ways God works to transform us, to change us through his grace. John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. My first cousin, once removed, is a big strapping man named Jimmy. I don't like that phrase, once removed. I know what it means, but when I hear it, I get the idea that we threw him out of the family at one time and he's worked his way back in. He was once removed, but now he's back. But I just call him Jimmy because of that. Well, several years ago, Jimmy knew something was very wrong with his health. He didn't know the nature of the problem or the cure, but he knew something was wrong. So he visited his doctor who quickly referred Jimmy to a cardiologist. The cardiologist ran a battery of tests and said, you know, come back in a few days and we'll discuss the results. And as Jimmy was preparing to see his doctor again, he had in his mind what he expected to hear. Lose some weight, get more exercise, Take this medicine, stop eating food that tastes good. Well, Jimmy knew that the changes he expected would not be fine, but probably would be worth the trouble if he really felt fully alive again. But when he went back for that follow-up visit, his doctor didn't talk about weight or exercise or medicine or diet. He told Jimmy that he would not live much longer unless he could receive a new heart. He walked into that doctor's office believing that he might need to adjust his lifestyle, and he walked out knowing that he needed nothing less than a medical miracle to survive. In John 3... This man named Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. He wants to talk to Jesus because he knows something is wrong. He's very devoutly religious. As a Pharisee, he's dedicated to living by every detail of the Jewish law. But in spite of all the religious things that he does so conscientiously, Nicodemus feels a sickness in his soul and he doesn't know what to do about it. He brings his hurt to Jesus because he sees God working through Jesus in astounding ways. And behind Nicodemus' words, he's posing this question to Jesus. How can I be right with God? Are you glad he asked that question? Is Nicodemus like that classmate who raises his or her hand to ask the question that was on your mind but you weren't quite brave enough to ask you might be asking the same thing you want to know God you try to live a good life you, you do all kinds of things that you think are, are, are appropriate or right or moral but you still feel something's wrong something's missing, something needs to change Jesus has an answer to that question. But before we can hear his answer and truly believe it, we've got to wrestle with something else. We've got to first realize that our answers don't work. A disc ruptured in my back a number of years ago, leaving me in more pain than I've ever known. My doctor referred me to a neurosurgeon who studied my MRI and then told me what he needed, he, what I needed. He said, I need to go into your spine, chisel away part of one of the vertebrae, clean out that part of the disc that doesn't belong there because it's pinching a nerve, and then you'll feel better. I think I was with him until I heard the word chisel. And then I began asking questions about alternative therapies. He answered every question with a smirk on his face and then said, Mr. Vaughn, try everything you want. Come back to me if you decide you need me. So I did try everything. Nothing helped. Three months later, in even worse pain, I returned to the doctor and asked him, please, to do the surgery, and he did but I had to reckon with the fact that my solutions weren't good enough. Everything I was doing wasn't bringing me the relief that I craved and so desperately needed. I had to come to the conclusion that his way was the only way I had to get relief. What Nicodemus has got to let go of And what you and I have got to let go of before we can hear and experience Jesus' answer to being right with God is this false idea. We've got to know that new life doesn't come through reform. As a Pharisee, Nicodemus believed that if all of Israel would keep God's law for just one day, the Messiah would come. Free them from the Romans and establish God's kingdom on earth. Can you imagine the agony of living each day believing if my people and I were just good enough for one day, then God would set us free and give us new life. Nicodemus had to let go of that idea that he could reform his way into a right relationship with God and so must we. Now we hear the language of reform when people talk about steps they want to take to come closer to God or to be more faithful to God. We we hear it said a number of ways. One is, "I, I know that I need to do better. I hear people say that. As though salvation is making a passing grade on a test or, you know, doing enough good things to balance the scales of our sins. But you can't be right with God by doing better. The Bible destroys that false idea when it says all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Even the best we do is nothing. So if you think that you can do more good and and less evil and sometimes somehow balance the scales, listen to what James said in his letter about that. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. When you break God's law, you're not just breaking a rule. You're breaking his heart. And you're breaking a relationship. And you can't make all that better by doing a little better. Then you hear folks say, you know, you just need to come to church. Well, I support that. I do. I want everyone to come to church. But, you know, some days you can look out from, from, from up here and you can pick out the people who were coerced into coming that day. They look like preschoolers in timeout. Or maybe like hockey players in the penalty box. You know, I've got to do my time and then I'm going to be set free. Now, Don't get me wrong. I think God does wonderful things when we're a part of worship. But sitting in this church doesn't make you Christian. Any more than sitting in your garage makes you a Cadillac. It doesn't happen that way. Then the other words of reform we often hear are you need to be more committed. Well, commitment is important. Being a Christian's not a part-time job. But the idea that you can be right with God by working harder makes God seem like Pharaoh telling the Hebrews, you've got to make more bricks, even without straw. And then this one I've heard a number of times in the course of my years of pastoring. We just need to get tough on sin. Well, I agree. We need to put clear warning labels on the choices and the values that kill and destroy. Absolutely. I've seen far too much of how tough sin is on human beings but acting as though you can judge a person into the kingdom of God. It's like a law enforcement officer writing a ticket for a parking violation and then walking up to the driver's side of the car and looking in the window and realizing the driver is dead. Dead people don't need a ticket. They're not helped by a rebuke. They need a resurrection. And that's what Jesus offers. New life doesn't come through our best efforts to reform. Jesus gives Nicodemus and us the amazing answer to the question, how can I be right with God? Jesus says new life comes through transformation. In verse 3, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. When my 89 year old mom was still with us and would stand next to my 6 foot 4, 220 pound brother, she would often put her arm around him and say, This is my little tiny baby boy here. She was making a joke, of course, because Barry today is nothing like that seven-pound baby she brought into the world. Nicodemus struggles to understand what Jesus has said. He's thinking, you know, I can't go back. I can't be a baby again. My life can't start over. What does Jesus mean? You must be born again. What he means is, You must receive the miracle of life as a gift. I was with all of my grands yesterday at Ann's birthday celebration, and that's wonderful when it happens. But I couldn't help but look at them all and think about the first glimpse that I had of each of them. That first ultrasound picture that was texted to Papa, you know. And how life was forming and life was growing and life was coming together. But then there came that, that beautiful, miraculous moment when each one received a gift they didn't merit, they didn't earn. They were brought into this world and given the gift of life. Jesus says, this is what must happen to you to be right with God Jesus answered in verse 5 I tell you the truth no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit born of water and the spirit what does he mean I think it may mean this John the Baptist had often stood in the Jordan River And people came out to him in the water asking to be baptized. To step into that water was to say, I need a new life. I realize it. I need the guilt of my sin taken away. I can't do this myself. And I ask God by His grace to make me new and make me His. I think born of water is naming your need. I think it's recognizing I can't do this. I think it's recognizing my solutions don't work and I'm reaching out to God for a miracle that's beyond anything I can do. But then Jesus says, if you've been born of water, if you know your need and you're, you're, you're eager to let God do what God alone can do, he said, then you can be born of water. Of the Spirit. No less miraculous than the moment you drew your first breath in this world, you can experience a miracle of new spiritual life. You'll be transformed, brought to life by the power of God's saving grace. How does that miracle begin? Jesus says that it's like the wind. We've become more familiar with the wind this last week, haven't we? The wind is all around us. We don't fully understand it, we don't know exactly where it's come from or or where it's going, but we do know that it's real when it touches us. God is here. He's all around us. We don't fully understand His work or His ways. We can't comprehend how it all began or how He will bring it all to an end. But you know He's real when He touches you. You know that His Spirit is moving to transform you to give you his gift of eternal life. As we close, let me ask you this. Is the wind of God's Spirit touching you today? He's here. He's here to give you the gift of new life. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, may the wind of your Spirit blow upon us right now. May we know that you are here, that you are God, that you are love, and that you're here to seek and save everyone who is lost. Do your work in each of our hearts and we'll praise you for it. Amen. We're going to sing hymn 587, Amazing Grace. This is your opportunity to answer God's call as he's spoken to you in worship. To respond to the touch of God upon you as he's working to give you new life. To profess your faith in Christ, to say, yes, I receive Christ and I receive his gift today. I want to be a Christian and I want to live for Jesus from now on. Maybe to renew your walk with him. Or to say, this is the place where I'm going to worship and work. I want to be a member here so that I can really be a part of the family. Belonging to you and all of you belonging to me. However God is speaking, this is your chance. So listen with your heart and follow where his spirit leads.